Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, these days it seems like everyone is at everyone's throat, (laughs) especially when it comes to politics, education, debating issues about the pandemic. But could just the age-old advice of closing our mouths and opening our ears a little bit change the dynamic? Could it be part of the solution to repair what's wrong in our society? Uh, I happen to think so. Uh, there was a fascinating piece in Newsweek uh, this week by uh, Molly uh, Andalina and Hillary Conklin. They're both professors at DePaul University. And uh, they lay out a very interesting case that I think is so true. Uh, they talk about the pandemic exhaustion. They talk about uh, eroding our empathy uh, for each other, that we just are losing all of that. Uh, and with all the challenges between the economy and jobs, school openings are closing, mass on or off, uh, mandates for vaccines, racism, uh, political division, on and on it goes. It's very easy to uh, find yourself uh, in a drought uh, with no empathy for anybody on any subject by the time you get done. And so as we look at that deepening polarization, a lot of people have been pointing to civics that we need to be teaching civics lessons more. Uh, And that's a good thing uh, because that does help us understand the process. It helps us understand each other and the roles that we have in society. But the really interesting that these two authors uh, from DePaul University point out, uh, they said even with these promising innovations in educational practices, it's it's the civic lessons. They, They continue to privilege what our society more broadly has privileged, which is speaking without the necessary counterpart of listening. So even in our civics curriculum, we're often finding that it's, it's focused on those who can speak, who can articulate the message, who can say exactly what they want to say to, to shape a conversation or to influence a group. And so teaching that counterpart of uh, empathic listening Uh, The authors went on to say, to rebuild trust and reset our democracy, we need to teach students to listen empathically in the context of civic life, to listen in a way that allows for emotional connection, in a way that humanizes others, and I would add, especially those you disagree with, and do that in a way that enables more people to hear voices that have historically been pushed to the margins. So it's not enough for everyone to have a seat at the table. Uh, Everyone has to have a voice and everyone has to be given the respect that they can actually be heard. Now, we can't look to Washington for this. Uh, We know it's not happening there. I often criticize uh, the fact that we should change the name in Congress. 
Uh, they often talk about having hearings. Uh, they're not hearings because nobody's listening. Uh, it requires a different kind of listening and questioning. Hearing and listening, I think, go go hand in hand. And again, most of those congressional hearings, there's just not any of that. There's prepared remarks by lawmakers that dominate the meetings uh, to the point that the person who's actually before the committee to testify uh, says very little, which does nothing for the American people. It doesn't reveal anything as to why you're having the hearing in the first place. It defeats the very purpose of a hearing. And, of course, many members of Congress are going to filibuster and speak and try to get their social media moment. Uh, that's not helping helping at all. Uh, so I would say in addition to some civics tweaks in terms of how we teach that, creating space for more uh, empathic listening, the rest of us could probably do a refresher course. I know Congress could do a refresher course for, for sure. Uh, Sue Patton Thiel said this about listening, said deep listening is miraculous for both listener and speaker. When someone receives us with open-hearted, non-judging, intensely interested listening, our spirits expand. I think that's important. Uh, communication today, for the most part, has been reduced to just a process of two people sort of engaging in self-serving monologues. You ever felt you're in that, where one person just kind of waits for the other to finish so that they can then start talking again about what they want to say? But people who are real master communicators, I think real influencers, uh, have that ability uh, to pay attention, to value, uh, by listening deeply. Uh, I think it's one of the greatest communication skills of all is that ability to, to truly listen. Uh, the late Earl Nightingale, uh, one of the great thinkers of the 20th century, called active listening the, quote, I'll make them glad they talked with me attitude. It is an attitude. It's a service-oriented, not self-oriented. Because when our primary concern is for the other person and not just ourselves, everything changes. When we have the interest of the other person at heart, not just our own, we listen. And the other person can sense that, uh, I think, in very significant ways. And if you think about it, the people who have most impacted my life, for sure, I think all of us could agree, the people who impact us the most are usually the people who are so genuinely and authentically interested in us that they actually listen. Now, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of devices that inhibit good listening and good hearing. Every beep and buzz and vibration and ring uh, takes a person out of, from being present to the listener. Uh, and then suddenly there's a distracted participant in the process. Uh, and that's a very different thing. So, as we look at that and as we look at this effort uh, by these two professors from DePaul University, uh, they actually did a fascinating experiment in tweaking. It's called the Soapbox, uh, Project Soapbox, excuse me. Uh, and it is a different way because it not only allows the participants, the students, to engage and share their values and to share their views on a wide range of civic issues and societal issues, it also ensures that all the students have the opportunity to both speak and to be heard and foster these active listening practices. And the results of that have been pretty pretty incredible. The, the students feel different about the process. Uh, some of them find their voice for the very first time. Some of them didn't even realize they had a voice because nobody had ever really listened to them in that kind of setting. And so I think in our call for more civics education, I think we should uh, do as these uh, two professors uh, Molly Andalina and Hillary Conklin from 
DePaul University have suggested is we need to make sure that we're incorporating in all the do's and don'ts of society and civic lessons that we also include a, a heavy dose of listening. What does it mean to be an empathic listener? Uh, I remember uh, when I was doing a lot of my business training, leadership training, uh, I would often give a challenge uh, to senior executives of organizations, and I just ask them to for take a week, take a week, and just be really aware of your listening, and just judge your listening on four criteria. Super simple. Uh, there's four levels that you can listen on. Uh, first one is ignoring. I know that seems like an odd name for a listening level, but it is one. Uh, most of us are really good at it. Uh, it's, it's kind of the lights are on, but nobody's home model. And again, a lot of us get pretty good at that, especially with our digital devices distracting us all the way. The second level of listening is called selective listening. Uh, this is where you hear only what you want to hear and tune out the rest. I happen to be very good at this one, especially if there's a good basketball or football game on, where I can amazingly hear everything that my wife is saying right up to the point she needs me to take out the trash or to clean the garage. And then I sort of, I didn't. what did you say? I didn't hear you. So I'm selective, only hearing what I want to hear. Third is reflective, which is a good level of listening where you can actually repeat back or paraphrase back what the other person has told you. That's important. It sends a great message uh, that I'm paying attention. What you're saying is important, so much so that I can actually tell you what you told me. And then, of course, where we really want to get is that last level, the empathic level, level based on that word empathy. And this is where you go beyond just hearing the words and the phrases and you start listening for meaning and for intent. And so I, I give all of you as listeners, as listeners today, uh, take that seven-day challenge. For seven days, just watch yourself and take some notes of when you find yourself functioning on each of those four levels, ignoring, selective, reflective, or empathic. And you'll find some very fascinating patterns. You'll find there are some people in your life, as soon as you see them coming, you completely go into the ignore mode. And some people you're naturally very empathic with and so on. Uh, the question is, is can we really do it by choice? And can we make that kind of empathic listening a part of who we are? Uh, sadly, I think real listening, empathic listening, has become a lost art in our society today. And I think it's time to re-enthrone listening as a quality worth developing. I actually think our civics and our crucial conversations in this country depend on it. We're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we're going to get more into that divide, what it is, what it means, and how we get past that. Surprising answers coming up next. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.